0: Happy fall, y'all. Yeah, you didn't know that, did you? This is the first official weekend of fall. It's not surprising you didn't know that because it sure doesn't feel like fall today. It feels more like the dog days of summer, I guess, except for those of you that are Hookstown campus all the way up in Pennsylvania outside of Pittsburgh. You guys are already wearing jackets, raking leaves, having bonfires in your backyard. Look, we are not jealous. Our fall weather is coming. We're just going to have to wait two months to get to it, but it'll be here soon. Whatever climate you are in this morning, wherever you are, I'm so glad that you've chosen to join us this morning. And if you'll go ahead and take out your message notes, you'll see we are in week six of Living Your Blessed Life. For the last month and a half, we've been exploring how to experience God's blessings in our lives. How to live the kind of life that God blesses. And fortunately for us, we don't have to guess. We don't have to try to figure out the kind of life God blesses. We have a very clear picture of that in the eight opening statements of Jesus' most famous sermon the Sermon on the Mount. These eight statements known as the Beatitudes spell out for us the character traits that God will bless. And so each week we're going through these Beatitudes, these blessing statements to not only understand the character traits that God blesses, but more importantly, trying to figure out in a very practical way how to develop these character traits in our Lives And so today, we're looking at this sixth beatitude as found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. It's also printed there at the top of your program. Notice what Jesus says. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. What does that mean? What is Jesus saying? I think to understand this beatitude, we need to understand two key phrases in this beatitude. The first phrase we need to understand is what it means to see God. Jesus says that's the blessing of this beatitude is that you get to see God. So what is Jesus saying? That that if I have a pure heart, I can look up into the sky and the clouds will part and I can see God, I can physically see him? No. The word that Matthew uses there, the verb, does often mean to visually see, but many times it's used to, to express experiencing something. To experience something so genuine, so unique, so real that it is as if you are seeing it. To, to see God means you get closer to God. You become more intimate, more connected. You are a friend of God. You get to experience His presence, His power, His pardon, His purposes, and His peace in your life. That's the benefit. That's the blessing. So the question is, how do you get that? Well, that leads us to the second phrase. Jesus said, you got to be pure in heart to see God. Pure in heart is not a phrase we use much in our culture today. We don't go around and say, oh, he's got a pure heart or, or she's got a pure heart. The word we use most often in our culture to describe this is the word integrity. That's what it means to have a pure heart. And so Jesus is saying in this beatitude, the more integrity I have, the closer to God I will become. And the closer to God I become, the more blessed my life will be. And so this morning, I want to do two things. One, I just want to talk a little bit about what integrity is. When we say integrity, what does that mean? And then secondly, I want to look at some very practical ways to develop integrity in our lives. So does that make sense to kind of see where we're going this morning? Good. Let's jump in. First of all, what does integrity mean? three words I want you to write down the first one is wholeness write that down integrity means wholeness the word integrity has the same root word as the word integer anybody remember from your middle school math what an integer is somebody shouted out a whole number right a whole number it's not a fraction it's not a decimal It's whole we get the same word integration from this root word it's integrated it's not separated it's not segmented it's not divided when we have integrity our life is whole in other words most of us look at our lives like slices of a pie and we have many different slices we have our work slice over here we have our home slice over here We have our hobby or our fun slice over here. We have our secret life over here, our compulsions, our addictions, things that nobody knows about. We have all these different pieces in our pie and we tend to keep them separated. We live compartmentally. We behave one way in our home and a different way at church. We behave one way in our home group and a different way when we're playing golf with our buddies or or shooting hoops or, or sitting around drinking coffee. When you have integrity, your life is not in pieces. It's whole. Second word I want you to write down is the word authentic. Integrity means authentic. That I am the same on the inside as I am on the outside. That what you see is really who I am, how I'm feeling, what I'm thinking on the inside that I'm real that I'm not playing games that I'm not wearing a mask thousands of years ago with the rise of the Greek nation and the Greek culture kinda had its high point in world history and during that time the Greeks were famous for putting on plays these huge dramas that they would act out and within a play a single play you could have one actor playing many different parts in that play They would wear a mask and come out and play one role. Then they would go backstage and change mask and come out and play a completely different role. And then they'd go backstage and put on a third mask and come out there. One actor, many different roles. Can you guess what the name of that actor was? They were known as the hypocritos. Want to guess what word we get in our English? Right. A hypocrite. Because we wear many masks. That is the opposite of authenticity. That is the... Opposite of integrity. Third word I want you to write down is sincere. Integrity means being sincere. That you don't have mixed motives. That you don't feel one way on the inside but display something different to the people around you. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. You can pray to talk to God Or you can pray to impress others. Same action on the outside. Very different motives on the inside. You can be nice to a person because you really love them and care about them. Or you can be nice to a person because you want something from them. Or you want to manipulate them. Same behaviors on the outside. Very different motives on the inside. And when my actions... Don't match up with my true intentions. That's a lack of integrity. See, bottom line, integrity is who you are in the dark. Integrity is about what you do when nobody's looking. Integrity is about the choices you make when you know that nobody will ever know that you made that choice. I have a pastor friend of mine who was sharing about a time when uh, the grass in his backyard formed a bald spot. There was like a missing area of grass. And so he decided one Saturday he was going to go get sod and fill in that bald spot. So he measured it and he calculated he needed 22 pieces of sod to fill that bald spot. So he goes to the big box lawn and garden store and you pay for the sod inside at the cash register. But then they send you around back to load the sod up in your truck. And so he pays for 22 squares. He drives around back, and he begins to load the sod up in the back of his little pickup truck. And he's counting them out, and nobody's back there, no cameras anywhere. And as he's counting out his 22 pieces of sod, he starts to think, what if I miscalculated, right? What what if I, I didn't get the right measurements? Maybe I need 24 pieces instead of... Twenty-two. You know, I don't want to get home and come up a piece or two short and dry, have to drive all the way back out here. But at the same time, I don't want to go all the way back to the cash register to pay $10 for, you know, two more pieces of sod. And he's wrestling with this in his mind. He said, all of a sudden, it just hit him like a lightning bolt. He's like, really? Really? You're going to sacrifice your integrity for a piece of dirt? But yet, isn't everything in this world dirt, ultimately? Isn't it all wood, hay, and stubble? And yet, there's so many times that I, I can't speak for you, but in my life, I have sacrificed integrity for something that was not worth it. See, that's the thing. This is probably the hardest character trait to develop especially in this culture that we live in. Because our culture is all about image. It's all about making an impression on Facebook or, or Instagram. It's all about a reputation. It's all about what I look like to others on the outside. But Jesus said, no, God is not about image. He's about integrity. God doesn't care about your reputation with others. He cares about the character in your life. In fact, look what the Bible says, First Samuel 16, 7. It says, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. I guess that means God is not on Instagram, because he don't look at the things people look at. People look at the what? What does that say? The outward appearance, right? The image, the reputation, but the Lord looks at the heart. You know, it's interesting, the context of that verse. God sent the prophet Samuel to the house of a man named Jesse in the village of Bethlehem to select the next king of Israel. Now it made sense to go to Jesse's house because he had eight sons. And Samuel gets there and he starts looking at these boys and there are several of them that look very kingly, right? They're big, they're strong, square-jawed, broad-soldier. They look like the kind of people you would want to have as your leader, And so, you know, Samuel's thinking, oh, that one looks good. And God says, no, I have rejected them. I don't look at what people look at. I look at the heart. You pick that skinny little shepherd boy, the youngest boy, because I see his heart. And that's who he picked. That little skinny shepherd boy became the greatest king, King David, one of the greatest kings in all of history. He didn't look like it on the outside But he had the heart. In fact, later on, God would say of David, that's a man after my own heart. Now, if you know anything about David's life as an adult, that seems very counterintuitive. Because David did some really bad things. He had some lapses in integrity. He had an affair with his neighbor's wife and then had her husband killed in battle to cover it up. And you say, man, how? How can you say he had integrity? I'll tell you how. Because integrity is not about being perfect. If we had to be perfect to have integrity, none of us would. Integrity is not about being sinless or not ever making mistakes. Integrity is about being honest about being honest with myself, being honest with the people around me, and being honest with God. That's integrity. So how do you get it? How do you develop a heart after God, a a pure heart that will allow you to truly see God? There are hundreds of ways. I want to look at four very specific ways to have integrity. These come in four key areas of our life. Live. So let's jump in. And by the way, let me just tell you, this ain't gonna be a fun message, right? Because we're doing heart surgery here, and heart surgery is painful. The reason I know that is I've been wrestling with these things in my own life all this week. So we're not gonna get a lot of amens today, you know. Get a lot of, mm, a lot of uh, twisting my arm, preacher. Some of you are going to say, I've gone from preaching to meddling. But look, the truth is the truth. And if we're not honest with ourselves, we'll never get to a pure heart. So here we go. There's an amen. All right. All right, number one, to have integrity, the first thing you got to do is keep your promises. Keep your promises. This is verbal integrity. That if you say you're going to do it, do it. If you say you're going to be there, be there. See, if you have integrity, the people around you know they can count on you. If you don't have integrity, they know that they can't count on you. Notice this verse, Proverbs 25, 14. I love this word picture. Broken promises are worse than rain clouds that don't bring rain. Don't you love that? It's like, you know those hot days in July and August? where it's just, we're in a drought, everything's dry, feels like the whole thing's going to catch on fire, and you're you're just pleading for rain to come to save you money on your sprinkler bill, or, you know, to break the heat, and then you get one of those afternoons where the wind kind of picks up a little bit, about four o'clock, and you hear a little thunder off in the distance, and you're looking on the horizon, you see these rain clouds coming, and then all of a sudden, they just disappear, they're gone. The Bible said that's what it's like for the people around you when you don't keep your promises. So let me ask you, what promises have you made that you need to keep? Parents, you made some promises to your kids that you need to keep. You know what the number one cause of bitterness among children? Broken promises. But mom, you said. But dad, you promised. How about with your spouse? Have you made some promises to your spouse that you need to keep? And I'm not just talking about the vows you made on your wedding day to be faithful. I'm talking about the daily promises. The changes you've promised to make. The things you've promised your spouse you would do. I just have to be real transparent with you today and let you know this is one I struggle with. Because often Terry will ask me to do something, something simple. Hey, would you call so and so? Would you go check on your parents? Would you, you know, would you do this? Would you do? This? And I answer, yeah, yeah, no problem, with no intention of doing it. I say yes because I know that'll get her off my back, and I can go back to watching my TV show or the game. And that may seem a little bit humorous, but here's the thing: it is a lack of integrity. If she cannot trust me with the small things, how could she ever have security in trusting me in the big things? How about God? Have you made some promises to God that you need to keep? Some commitments about spending time with Him daily in His Word and in prayer? Have you made some commitments to Him about attending corporate worship, about connecting an authentic community? Have you made some promises about giving and generosity? Have you made some promises to Him about serving Him? If you make promises, you need to keep them. See, most of the time, We make promises fully intending to keep them. But then what happens? Circumstances change. Something gets in the way. But the Bible says people with integrity keep their promises no matter what. In Psalm chapter 15, David, the guy with the heart after God He writes this beautiful chapter. I would encourage you this week to read this chapter 15. He lays out a whole list of things that people with integrity, people who get to see God, do. And one of them is here in verse 4. He says, they keep their promises to their neighbors even when it hurts. Everybody keeps promises when it's easy. Everybody keeps promises when it benefits us. People with integrity keep their promises even when it's costly. That's why I would say maybe one of the best things we can do to have more integrity is to have that integrity on the front end. To front end load our integrity. To make less promises. To be more careful with the things you say you will do, because the more careful we are in the promises we make, the more consistent we will be able to keep those promises, and as a result, the more integrity we will have. Integrity starts with keeping your promises. Number two, you ain't going to like this one, pay your bills. You want to have integrity? Pay your bills. This is financial integrity. This is keeping your financial Promises. Let me tell you, over and over, the Bible says that money is a test of integrity. Money always tests our integrity because it shows what's really going on inside. That's why Jesus says where your treasure is, that's where your heart really is. And so when I spend more than I make, that's a lack of integrity. When I take on debt that I know I cannot pay back, that is a lack of integrity integrity look at Psalm 37 verse 21 it says the wicked borrow and do not repay but the righteous the people with integrity give generously you know why people with integrity can give generously because they don't live above their means they don't spend more than they take in they have margin They have an emergency fund. They are paying off debt or they are debt free. We talk about this in financial peace classes twice a year here at Cedar Creek. And we teach the whole purpose of managing money God's way, the whole purpose of getting out of debt and and living below our means is so that we can be generous, so that we have more to give. Integrity is not only about paying MasterCard and Visa and the power company on time. You're going to like this one even less. It's also about paying the government what you owe them. It's about paying your taxes and being honest in the way that you pay them. Don't get mad at me. This is in the Bible, Romans 13. It says, this is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities, all of them, good and bad, are God's servants. If you owe taxes, pay Taxes, And you say, wait a minute, Philip. I don't send my money to the government. They waste it. Duh, tell me something I don't know. You say, the government has no integrity. They spend more than they take in all the time. Deficit spending. They've been doing it for decades. Why should I pay my taxes? Because my integrity is not based on the people or things around me. The integrity in me is based on the heart that God has given me. Having integrity means keeping promises. It means paying my bills. And number three, it means refusing to gossip. Refusing to gossip. This is relational integrity. You remember we said at the beginning of this that integrity is about wholeness, about being authentic, about being sincere? Well, let me tell you something. When you flatter somebody to their face and cut them off at the knees when their backs turn to you, that's not integrity. It's not, integrity. when you say things about people that you won't say to them, that's a lack of integrity. Again, Psalm chapter 15, that great chapter, look at verse 3. People with integrity, David says, those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends. When you gossip, that is a lack of integrity. Now, I know a lot of us are going to dodge the bullet on that. I don't struggle with gossip. I don't, I don't talk bad or about people that I haven't said to them. Well, listen, you may not speak gossip, but in one way, shape, or form, every one of us in here loves to hear a little bit of it. Don't we? We love to listen to it. We're not participating. We're just listening. We're not gossiping. Did you know that the punishment for receiving stolen goods... Is the same as stealing the goods themselves. And that same thing is true with gossip. If you listen to gossip without stopping it or walking it away, you have a lack of integrity. There's something in all of us. We just want to know. We want to be in the, in the scoop. We want to know what's going on around us. You know, inquiring minds want to know. No nosy people always think they should know. And that desire will cause us to sacrifice our integrity. Listen, gossip is not only talking about people or listening to others talk about people. Gossip is always breaking a confidence. When you break a confidence, that is gossip. Proverbs eleven thirteen, 13. It says, a gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. Can you keep a secret? Do other people trust you to keep something they share with you to themselves? Would the people around you say you are a safe place where somebody can share openly and honestly and not have to worry about it being blabbed out at the beauty parlor or on Facebook or on Instagram? If not, you are missing opportunities to help hurting people. Because hurting people need a safe place. Because it's our secrets that make us sick. That's why one of the core values of home groups here at Cedar Creek is that what's shared in home group has to stay in home group. Why? Because otherwise it's not a safe place. Nobody's going to be real. And nobody's going to get healing. I've seen this in 25 years of leading groups. I've seen groups have a confidence betrayed And I have never once seen a group that had that happen ever recover from it. That group was never able to be healthy again because one person lacked integrity and could not keep a secret. Having integrity means keeping your promises, paying your bill, shutting your mouth, and then number four, doing your best at work. This is vocational integrity. Doing your best at work. Listen, as Christ followers... We should be the hardest working, most reliable, most dependable employees no matter where we work or who we work for, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. The average American worker, that is us, we only spend 40% of the hours we're paid for actually doing the work we're paid for. What that means is in an eight-hour shift, we're actually only doing the work we paid for for two hours and 53 minutes out of an eight-hour day. That's a lack of integrity. I think I know why that that statistic is true. Because 65% of us report going online at work doing things that aren't related to work. We are receiving pay from an employee to surf the web, to go on Facebook, to shop, take supplies home, whatever it is. And we think it's no big deal. Everybody's doing it. It's a big deal to God because your heart is a big deal to God. And it is a lack of integrity. That may be the culture we live in, but that's not the standard God has called us to. Look at Ephesians 6-7. Paul says, do your work with enthusiasm. Work as if you were serving the Lord, not as if you were serving only men and women. I remember many years ago, right after I got out of school, started my first real job. Starting off my career as a teacher, as a coach, I ended up at this school. I had a horrible principal. I had a horrible athletic director. My two bosses were horrible bosses. They had no integrity. And so I remember about a couple of months after starting that job, we were home for the holidays, and I pulled my dad aside, and I started complaining about the people I worked for, and how bad it was, and how much they don't pay me what I work, and and all this. I was whining, playing. my dad stopped me in my tracks. He said, boy, let me tell you something. If you work for a man, work for him. And if you cannot work for him, you need to resign. And I was like, what? I was looking for some sympathy. My dad said that not because he was being mean because he knew the reality that over the course of my life I would work for horrible bosses and good bosses and mediocre bosses, all kinds of bosses but my heart was not about who I worked for. It was about who I was truly working for. You want integrity? Show up on time. Work hard. Give all that you have. And if you can't do that, find another job where You can. Colossians 3.22 says, Always obey your earthly master. That's your boss, your supervisor. Try to please them at all times. And not just when you think they are watching. Why? So that you can honor the Lord and serve your masters with your whole heart. Let me tell you something. If your work ethic fluctuates depending on who's watching you, Who's checking behind you it is an integrity issue but imagine imagine if all of us who are Christ followers all 2.3 billion of us in the world imagine if we were known as the hardest working people on the planet imagine if businesses started saying I'm only gonna hire Christians why because they're honest and they work hard they make good employees imagine the impact that would have on our culture that have a whole lot more impact than any vote we ever cast or protest we ever took to the street. Imagine the witness that would be to the world around us if we just did our best at work. So let me ask you this question. What does your current work ethic say about the depth of your relationship with God? If the level that you're going to see God is directly proportional To your work ethic, no matter what your job is, would you see him? Are you going to be close to him? Now listen, I, I know, not a lot of fun to talk about this stuff. It's painful to be honest with ourselves. It hurts to look in the mirror. And I can just tell you, talking about this stuff, all this week thinking about it, I keep going back to all the times that I've lacked integrity. All the times that I haven't done the right thing. But as we leave here today, I, that's not what I want you to focus on. Because your integrity is not about where you're been; it's where you're heading. Your integrity is not about the times you've lost it just like David, or you've messed it up. It's about what you're going to do this week. What changes are you going to make so that your heart is pure, and that so you can. Can see God. Jesus said, Blessed are those who grind out the integrity issues in the details of life because they will see God, feel His peace, His power, His presence, His pardon, and His purposes. And that is a truly blessed life. Would you pray with me? Father, this stuff is just not easy. And to make the changes we need to make and take the steps we need to take, we need your Spirit's power. We cannot do integrity and make these changes on our own. So, Father, would you move among us, your people? Would you help us take steps toward integrity in our individual lives and take steps together corporately for integrity in our church? Not only so that we might see you more, but so that the people around us might see you in us and be drawn. That is our heart's cry. That is our prayer this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.